Hello friends, welcome back to It's Not You, It's The System, a podcast for getting self-blame, messy family stuff, and internalized oppression out of the way so you can make the impact you're here for. I'm Lauren Roberts. I'm an anti-capitalist trauma certified coach and writer for community change agents. And I'm recording today from a different room. I'm out in my living room, which is bigger and there's not as much stuff to kind of absorb echoes. So I'll be curious how this audio turns out. And honestly, even if it's not amazing, we're just gonna go with it. Cause again, shitty first drafts, scrappy, just make it happen, right? Like change takes action and If I want to keep showing up for a weekly podcast, I can't get too hung up on stuff like that. So if you needed to hear that today, I hope that's helpful. So last week we talked about boundaries and managing your energy, and I offered a practice to help you not only recognize what all is currently on your plate, and a lot of it may be things you don't even realize, but also some tools to start discerning what of those things on your plate feels generative, what feels just purely extractive, where do you maybe need to revisit or set boundaries during this particular season of life that you're in, even day that you're in. So definitely go back and listen if you missed it, because there's a lot of nuance. Um, I get into why extractive doesn't necessarily mean bad or that it has to come off your plate, but I think the episode will be helpful as we move ahead. So today we're going to go a bit deeper on boundaries and just a quick reminder that you can still join me this Sunday for session two of my workshop, Boundaries for the Empathic, Neurodivergent, and Anxiously Attached. That'll be from one to two mountain time on Sunday and that's November 6th. So if you missed session one last Sunday, you can still catch up because if you register before this Sunday, I'll send you session one's recording. So you can catch up that way. And honestly, even if you don't have time to catch up, you'll still get a lot of good information out of the workshop this Sunday, which will be more on scripts for setting boundaries. I know not everyone likes to work with, you know, structured language and structured conversations, but especially when you're first um, setting boundaries in certain situations or setting them more consistently, it can be helpful to have a structure to fall back on because that helps your nervous system feel less, I guess, dysregulated. At least for me, it helps my head feel a lot clearer going into the conversation. And I feel like if I start to get anxious or feel myself tempted to just avoid the conversation or people please or whatever other strategy I want to use to try to get my needs met that I know isn't working for me and I know I need to set a boundary, that structure again is like this safety net that just catches me every time, even if it can sometimes feel clunky at first or not always like me. But with practice, I have found that I've been able to get more skilled at applying it. So um, yeah, Sunday, lots of good stuff on scripts. And because at least right now, there aren't a ton of people who have signed up. It's a nice um, size of a group where we can get into specific questions and situations. Like if you know you need to set a boundary at work ahead of maybe the holidays coming up, or if you know family shit is going to be coming up (laughs) this time of year, and you want to talk through like, okay, what do I say to this person? How do I initiate this conversation? That's the kind of thing we'll cover. And so again, you don't need to have caught up on session one, although it might help and you can always go back later and listen to it. 
So definitely check that out. Um, this workshop is really for anyone feeling drained, overwhelmed by your commitments, even ones that you like. Maybe you're running on fumes here at the end of 22. And what I keep reminding myself, because I've been there um, on and off over the last few weeks, it's never too late to hit the reset button on your energy for this year. Um, boundary work is really the key and you don't have to stay in that same pattern of overworking, overgiving, overextending yourself just to get through November and December. I promise. So check the show notes for that link. And then I guess back to today, we're going to get mostly into relational boundaries specifically. Not even mostly. We're only going to get into relational boundaries. And if you remember last week, I talked through, you know, there are lots of different types of boundaries. There's physical, emotional, mental slash intellectual, energetic, and then relational, which are the ones we hear about the most. These are the boundaries we navigate in our relationships with other people. And how we feel about our relational boundaries really depend on our context that we're operating in. So first, a big caveat for all boundary work, whatever kind of boundaries we're talking about, is that they vary from culture to culture in terms of what seems normal and acceptable. I'm mostly going to be talking here about a dominant, like Western, white centered, um, capitalist type of culture, because that's my experience and the experience of most of the folks who find my work. But a lot of these tools can still be applied in other cultural contexts. I would just encourage you to seek out teachers, guides, coaches who are from that culture or who can speak to it, because I can't speak to identities that I don't have, and I'm very careful not to. Um, but the other part of context that we're talking about is the context of your relationships. So for instance, I'm pretty good actually at my boundaries when it comes to my work life. Haven't always been. Um, when it comes to my business, even my money is getting like really great. Like I have solid boundaries around my pricing, around how I talk about certain topics with clients versus people in my personal life. But I am still learning still learning how to consistently practice healthy boundaries in my personal relationships and namely friendships. And there are a few reasons why this is the case. You know, for one, I have an anxious attachment style and a neurodivergent brain, hence why I'm targeting the whole boundaries workshop for folks who share these identities. Even if you don't have them, it's still helpful. But again, I can really speak to those experiences because I have them. I am super, super sensitive to other people's feelings. I think my level of compassion is such a strength. It's a great thing. I think it's a big reason why I am good at what I do. I'm glad it's here, but physically feeling the energy of other people type of sensitivity, like when I walk into a room immediately sensing, okay, those two people have tension or this person, like I'm feeling anxious talking to them, but actually I'm realizing they're just kind of anxious. That's the kind of stuff that for me can get really overwhelming. The tricky part too is the closer I am to someone, and again, I'm talking mostly about friendships, the higher that emotional sensitivity is. And then you sprinkle in like trauma and something called rejection sensitivity dysphoria, which is something to do with ADHD brains. I, I'm only recently learning about it, but it has to do with like having very um, tough reactions to something that feels like rejection. Like I get my feelings really hurt when I get rejected or perceive being rejected, and that's an ADHD thing I'm learning. Um, but all of that is just a recipe for me personally on this planet in 2022 to struggle with my people-pleasing stuff and still find myself 
at times, avoiding confrontation that could end up being really healthy and generative for my relationships. So, you know, I've gotten pretty good at navigating boundaries and having healthy conflict when it comes to my business, especially since getting sober, going on more than four and a half years ago. I'm pretty skilled at boundaries with intimate partners. And I know that's a big reason why I attracted someone as healthy and wonderful as my husband in the first place. But yeah, friendships, those are still tricky. Um, And I'd say it's only in the last couple of years that I've stopped avoiding hard conversations with friends. Like I might put it off and then like in therapy be like, yeah, I haven't had this conversation yet. And a few of my friends out there who've like heard me talk about the same couple of situations for going on like two years now, you know what I'm talking about. Like (laughs) I put it off sometimes. And um, yeah, in those cases where I have continued or did continue because recently I'm cleaning all of this up. It's actually way better in the last three to four months than it was earlier this year. But in those cases where I was avoiding those hard conversations consistently, I've had to face some really shitty consequences of not addressing the issue sooner because the situation got worse and worse and worse and I wasn't speaking up about it or removing myself from the situation. And in some cases, you know, it might be that it's time for a friendship to end or just take a different shape. And, you know, friendships don't always have to end with some big breakup conversation. That's not always possible, especially if you might be overextended already. Or, you know, you've had experiences where that person just hasn't been able or willing to take in what you're saying. Um, So it's not always emotionally safe, frankly, to confront issues in friendships. And so I want to be clear, I'm not talking about confronting issues with it. I'm not saying confronting an issue with somebody is always the right choice for you or even for me. Um, I'm talking about specific situations, though, where confrontation was needed and I was avoiding it, even though I knew it was needed. So I'm going to tell a little story and this might make the podcast a little bit long. And before I get into it, I want to just acknowledge that there's part of me that feels kind of uneasy. Like I don't, I, I sometimes, there's, there's part of me that worries that I'll seem um, messy or gossipy or ranty. And not that there's nothing wrong with any of those things. And maybe in a year, I'll look back on this episode like, okay, Lauren, you probably should have processed this more. But I actually have talked this whole situation through with very appropriate support, and I don't feel that dysregulated by it anymore. So I feel good sharing this. I'm not going to name names either. I'm not throwing anyone under the bus, but it just helps me to say that up front because it makes me a little bit less nervous to tell you about it. So in one friendship specifically, um, unfortunately, I ended up having to take a harder line because this person showed up in my inbox saying some really hurtful things that were completely out of bounds. It caught me off guard, but after reflecting, I think that she, that's now former friend, had probably some resentment toward me building for a while, but hadn't actually addressed it with me, so I didn't know. And my guess is those feelings built up for her, and then this situation ended up being the result. This like passive-aggressive <laughs> series of shitty emails. So, and it was strange too, because I met her right when I moved to Denver in 2020, and then she moved away a little over a year later. So we did spend quite a bit of time together, mostly with a close friend we both had in common, but she and I weren't super close. 
Um, I, you know, shared openly about things with her like I do with everybody. I mean, if you've followed me on social media or been on my newsletter list for any amount of time, you know, at this point, I think because I process stuff so much and in therapy and in other settings like that, like I feel really okay being transparent and sharing what I've been through because I know it helps other people and it actually helps me to share it too. And so I was open with her just as I would be with anybody. I wasn't necessarily going to her for super intimate support. Um, there's, I can think of maybe one time I went to her and our friend in common when I was going through something that I would not have shared with other people, but that's the only time I can think of. So yeah, we weren't incredibly close, but I trusted her as you know a person. And then shortly before she moved away, maybe a couple, three months before, an old boyfriend of hers came back into her life who she had told me about. And it sounded like he was, when they were together initially, perhaps a little verbally abusive, emotionally abusive, just not, not a consistently nice guy. And that's all I really knew about him. And when he came back into her life, I noticed a shift in her personality after that. And it just made me uneasy. Um, he, I, I didn't spend a ton of time with this guy, but he reminded me of my ex-boyfriends who were these really smart, but extremely judgmental guys who were pretty insecure, but had this like crappy stuff to say about everybody else, you know, would make fun of people under their breath, sarcastic, but not in like a fun, <laughs> enjoyable way. Um, just super critical of other people, especially women. And much like I behaved when I was in those older relationships, I noticed that my friend was also just becoming harsher in the way that she talked about other people um, in front of me. And, you know, I I don't think it's silly to assume that if someone is talking shit about other people to you, they are probably talking shit about you too to other people. So I got more careful um, about what I shared with her. I knew what I was seeing and you know, but again, we weren't old friends or really close, so I chose not to say anything to her about this. It, I, I knew she wasn't in physical danger. That's a situation where I do intervene, even if I don't know someone well. I have some skills to do that, um, and some support to do that. But in my experience, it's best to let friends come to you about their relationships because anytime I've expressed a concern, it only serves to push that friend away from me, and then when they are ready to leave. Whether it's a relationship or a job or some situation I know they're in that I know is bad for them, um, you know, I, I'm just there when they're ready. I don't do any of the I told you so stuff. There's no smug shit like that going on. They know that I wasn't criticizing them while they were in that situation. So then I'm someone they can come to when they're ready to leave. And I do actually remember saying to her, because there was one time she was wondering aloud, if her friends didn't like her boyfriend. And I said something to the effect of, you know, I support whatever you feel is best for you. I trust that you know what's right for you more than anybody else. And, but you know, at the same time, I was still more mindful of what I would share with her. And I kind of started avoiding hanging out if I knew he was around. Um, so leading up to her and her boyfriend's move out of state, I was actually less available, not necessarily because I was avoiding them, but I had around that same time gotten assaulted. Um, this wasn't a sexual assault. It was just a, not just, but it was a physical assault. Um, it's a long story. I've shared it on social media. We'll get into that another time, but I was not doing well. It re-spiked a lot of my PTSD symptoms that 
had in the last couple of years been in a really good place and had been improving. Um, it, yeah, I was like jumpy. My sleep was really messed up. My nightmares, which I always have were way worse. I had a lot of chronic pain flares and there was also, I mean, I was like bruised. It wasn't a small assault. Um, I had some injuries that weren't, you know, hospital level injuries or anything I needed to go get treatment for, but I was hurting. It was like getting in a car wreck almost. So that had just happened. I was navigating the legal process and victim's comp for my therapy and just all this stuff. I was doing my best to keep bringing in money, even though working was really tough. I think that was actually around the same time I had gotten a retail job, I think for a total of like four weeks before I quit because my body just couldn't do it. But I was really trying to make things work financially because I just didn't have the bandwidth to pour into my business. So I'm like, okay, I got to figure something out. I had a lot going on. Um, around that same time, I also eloped, you know, I was adjusting the married life. It was a good time. I was trying to enjoy that time with my husband, despite all of this hard stuff going on. Um, and my friend knew about it. I mean, she knew what I was going through. So at the time I didn't ever feel the need to explain my lack of availability. I knew I was, I had less time freedom because of my job at the time and just other priorities I had on my plate, but I didn't feel like I needed to express in detail like hey because of x y and z i don't have as much time to you know hang out at a coffee shop for three hours and co-work or whatever and generally you know i don't really expect that kind of thing from my friends i don't need anyone to rationalize their availability i don't expect an apology if a text goes unanswered for a bit Um, i don't get offended if someone doesn't come to my party but that's where i am and what i need from people it takes quite a lot of like time to pass before I start to get like irritated at all for like not getting a response. And that's only if like I actually need a response from someone. Like I have a situation now where I'm navigating like tax and legal stuff for um, something a friend and I worked on. And this isn't um, all the fucking podcast if anyone's wondering. It's not Tristan. This is something else. But like those are things I need an answer on (laughs) from someone. So that does get under my skin a little bit. But generally speaking, I'm not I don't keep track of people, other people's availability. I just assume people show up the way they're able to. Life is lifing and we're still in a pandemic, you know? So she and her boyfriend move away. I don't really hear from her much, which was fine. You know, moving takes up a lot of time. I wasn't really thinking about it. And I figured, you know, her family lives here. Maybe we'll get together when she's in town. But I wasn't like chasing her down to make plans or find out when she'd be here. And in fact, like, I texted her on her birthday and then found out, oh, yeah, by the way, we're on our way to Denver now. Um, And here are some plans we're doing with people if you want to come. And I was like, oh, like I had a moment of like, oh, that's weird. Like I didn't know in advance that she was coming. I would have, you know, made time in my calendar. And at that point, I had already committed to a few work things I was facilitating that weekend, I think. So I wasn't able to show up for anything. So I was like, I'm so sorry. I already have commitments but I hope you have fun and have a good time and I just left it at that I was a little like oh that's weird like I would have liked to have seen her but I didn't you know didn't take it personally wasn't worried about it and then the emails so if you haven't already uh fast forwarded through all of this and you're still listening to this long story um these emails initially had to do with a glitch in the back end of my website that sent this like weird automated message to literally every single person who's ever signed up for one of my programs through my website, which is a lot of people. Um, It included her because 
like a couple years ago, I gave her a free discount code to sign up for one of my programs. I just met her and I was mostly just, I was scholarshipping a ton of people for it. I just wanted more folks in the community. And so that's why she was on that list. She never paid for anything. You know, there was no card saved in the system. And so the same day that that happened, just because I knew it might freak some people out to get this weird automated message about something that I sent up four years ago, I sent them a follow-up email being like, your card isn't being run. Um, so sorry, this was a weird automated thing. I clicked something in the back end. Um, my site doesn't even store your card unless you're a current subscriber to like a monthly program or something. So all good. So sorry for the confusion. So yeah, my friend was on that list of people that I followed up with that day. And that was like in February. So then closer to the summer, she replies to, to that email. So I know she read it, um, shows up in my inbox and asking me to delete her credit card info if it is stored. She said, I don't know if it's stored, but if it is, could you please delete it? Which I'd already clarified in the other email, like, yeah, that nothing's happening. All good. Um, and then based on the wording of her email, it just didn't look like one that she needed a response on. It was like, if this is happening, could you please do X? But it wasn't happening. So I'm like, okay, all good. And honestly, like all of my emails that aren't actually urgent or from a current client, I let the email sit there for a few days. I didn't honestly know if I was going to reply to it because again, it didn't seem like it needed one, but I wasn't thinking about it. And if you've ever emailed me, you know, I just, I'm not about that false urgency. I don't answer people in a certain time frame again, unless they're a client or someone I've made a commitment to, or it's like actually time sensitive. That's another story about boundaries and capitalism for another time. But that next week then, and again, this was months after the initial system glitch. So she sends an email months later. And then a week after that, I get this very... I don't know, biting is the only word I can think of. This very biting and just mean, passive aggressive message from her saying it was shitty of me to not take a few seconds and reply to her email because, you know, I'm able to send X many marketing emails per month because she was, I guess, on my email list because she had been on that program. She had opted in to MailChimp at some point and was saying like the automated system error thing was really shady on my part and just kind of went off on me. I didn't really know what to do. I was taken aback. Um, my feelings were hurt. I felt misunderstood and unfairly judged. This is not a person I ever would have imagined would have been upset enough at me to say something like that or frankly upset at anyone enough to sit down and write that kind of email. Um, and yeah, it was just really strange, but I, I still wanted to give her the benefit of the doubt because I hadn't seen her in a while. Again, I have experience being with boyfriends like this guy she's with, and I wasn't always the nicest person in the world, quite frankly, when I was with those people. So I'm like, maybe she's having a bad day. You know, having your credit card info breached or like the possibility that can be really scary. Maybe other shit's going on. I don't know. I just knew it wasn't about me, even though my feelings were hurt. But the tone and the word choices she made seemed like she was assuming I was this like, slimy like internet bro marketer type who doesn't give a fuck about anything but making money and I was hurt because I felt like someone who knows me to the level she did would know how much integrity matters to me would know like I literally I label myself anti-capitalist coach I have a deep practice around those values like I'm not out here trying to take advantage of anyone so 
I don't know. Being misunderstood is really painful and I really hate when it happens. No matter how much healing I've done and how much work I've done and support I've gotten, it, it just sucks. So if you're there today, my heart is with you. It's not fun. So then I replied to the email saying a lot of things I wish I hadn't said. I wasn't mean at all. I was like, hey, I've been really slow on emails lately. I certainly wasn't blowing you off. Um, I explained that, you know, in fact, my family is going through some stuff because my sister had recently had her baby. Um, she had to have an emergency C-section. My niece is in the NICU actually for like two months. I think at that point it had only been a week or two. It There had been a lot of stress. And I, I alluded to this, like I said, my sister had an emergency C-section. There's been a lot going on. And there was even an evening, um, the evening my niece was born, I mean, there were a few hours like my sister... I, I thought was going to die. Like it, it was not unlikely. Um, thankfully she and the baby were okay, but it was a real fucking thing to go through. This was not a small family thing. And, you know, I'm sitting there writing this email and I found myself in a familiar place. One, I don't want to go back to where I was defending why I hadn't like urgently been replying to my emails. And that just felt gross. And, you know, it wasn't so long ago that, I made a very conscious decision that if I ever find myself explaining to someone why they should treat me with the basic respect and dignity that a human being deserves, I need to stop what I'm doing and get the fuck out. Get away from that person, from that situation, because something is wrong. And, you know, I've been in enough relationships with that kind of flavor to know it when I'm in it. Um, politicians I worked for did that to me. At times, my family did. Men who have either actually assaulted me or attempted to assault me have treated me that way. And I've had to, like, try to humanize myself to prevent myself from getting hurt. My narcissistic ex was the peak of this. And I just refused to ever put up with an adult speaking to or treating me that way. I will leave that situation. But before I realized totally consciously that that's what was happening as I'm writing this email explaining like why I deserve to be treated like a person, um, I had, yeah, so I sent the email before I really processed that. And I had also sent her a text because I'm like, maybe, maybe we just need to connect like more directly. And I just said like, my feelings are hurt and I'm here if you want to talk anything out because I'm just really confused. Confused was like the biggest thing. You know, at that point, I was still willing to assume that she was going through something that day. Again, like her boyfriend sucks. And my assumption, honestly, was like she would immediately be like, oh, my God. Yeah, I'm so sorry. This is a big misunderstanding. All this shit's going on. I'm so stressed out. I'm so sorry for my harsh tone. Like, let's just talk in a couple days. Like, I really just thought it'd be like one of those. I felt like I was giving her a chance to kind of course correct. But she did not take it. That's not what happened. So without going into detail, because this is already long enough, um, her two subsequent emails were just over-the-top cruel. One literally began with the line, and I looked it up just to make sure I was remembering this correctly, quote, LOL, you are certainly melodramatic, end quote. So first of all, this is a 40-year-old woman saying this, so it just... I don't think anyone's talked to me that way on the internet since like high school, which is saying something. I've been around a lot of shitty people, <laughs> but yeah, for the record, saying that to me, a person who she knew and knows has been assaulted multiple times, intensely gaslit by my ex, 
and other abusers and then gaslit all over again by systems and powers that be when I tried to report those things that happened to me starting at fucking nine years old. It's beyond words. It's beyond insensitive. It's it's cruel. And I would even say that what she chose to sit down, type out into an email, maybe read it back, and then click send, even after like taking that beat to type it, that's something an abuser would say to the person that they were hurting. Like it it just it's not something I would ever ever imagine coming from this person or really any person that I've led into my life any time in the last five years or so. I'm very discerning about who I let in on that level. And you know, I'm not calling her an abuser. I actually think her boyfriend is if anyone, but melodramatic God, that's one of those words, kind of like hysterical, that's just straight out of the misogyny playbook. It serves to minimize what anyone besides cis, straight, white men feel and experience. Melodramatic is a way of implying that our pain isn't real, that when we tell the truth, no one should believe us because we're melodramatic. And it's it's like... It's serving to shame and blame victims. And it's shielding people who behave badly from the consequences of their actions. It's just not okay. And I realize this is not an extreme situation, but it did send me spinning for a day or two. And, you know, a few years ago, even a year ago, I probably would have spun out for like weeks or even months over this. But I talked it out with my partner and my therapist within the next day and came away just super clear that despite any miscommunication on my end, which I don't really think there was, but let's say there, let's say I chose like the worst possible words. She was mean. (laughs) Like I don't deserve that kind of treatment from anyone. No one does. And no, I'm not melodramatic. Wasn't being melodramatic. I told her my feelings were hurt because they were. I told her about what was going on with my sister and her baby because It was happening. Things were really scary and stressful in June and July, and I'm not ever chained to my email, let alone when that's going on. But I think the reason, honestly, that this situation hit so hard, even just for those couple of days, was, of course, much deeper than, like, really giving that much of a shit about this person I knew for a year and wasn't especially close to. It's really because I... And someone, I mean, this is where the podcast came from. I have consistently gotten the message explicitly and more subtly that I was, quote, the problem, that I was overreacting, that if I could just get my shit together, everything would be fine. Everyone around me would be more comfortable. Um, This happened in the way that Joe Manchin and his two staffers, two men, treated me when I confronted him about confirming Brett Kavanaugh. That was one of those times. I spoke in a very even voice, but they reacted to me as if I was, I want to say lunatic. I know that's ableist. I'm trying to think of a better word, but they reacted to me as if I was like setting things on fire or <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know what they thought they were looking at. Um, another one of these times was telling my family in my 20s because I had disclosed the sexual abuse I went through as a kid. And then in my 20s, When I told everybody, well, actually, I didn't tell everyone. I told a couple of people, and then they chose to tell other people without my consent. So that's a whole thing. But my family just kind of, everyone else kind of started falling apart, to tell you the truth. And it really affected our relationship. So I'm like, 
I think we need to go get help, everybody. But no, like, I was the problem. If I could just fix myself, there would be peace in the family and we can all just hang out. (laughs) And this is thankfully not the situation anymore. My mom especially has worked so hard and we have such a great relationship now. But that's that was the situation for a long time. And you know, all of these are times when I was told I was overreacting, but I was actually right. It's like screaming that the house is on fire because the house is on fire. It's like, hey everyone, the house is on fire, but you're still like taking a shower and like watching TV on the couch or like making your breakfast. Like what are you doing? We gotta go. We gotta get out of here. And then, like, they treat me like I'm not seeing reality (laughs) as if the house isn't on fire. Um, And again, like, I'm navigating how to talk about mental illness as someone with mental illness and what words are okay for me to use and what aren't. I know crazy is an ableist word. And also sometimes in the context of, like, sharing what people have said to me, I wonder if I can use it. So... If you have feedback on that, I'm very open to it. So I'm just acknowledging I don't totally know the right way to say this. But what I want to say is what actually makes someone feel like they are quote unquote crazy is being told by people that they're crazy when actually they're seeing things clearly and just telling the truth. And listen, like I'm not perfect. I of course make mistakes every single day, but that doesn't mean I'm the problem (laughs) if someone is treating me badly, if a system is treating me badly. It was the system I was in that's the problem. It's the system this former friend of mine is in that's the problem. I actually don't think she is a problem. I think her behavior was a problem, but I think the real problem is the dynamic she's in with her boyfriend and probably at work, because from what I remember, it wasn't the best situation always for her. And we don't have systems set up for people to get help, right? Like if she is going through something and wants help, maybe it's not accessible for her for whatever reason. Or because of other systems that be like in our culture, you know, we're not, we're not taught to examine what's going on with us. If that makes sense, like if someone reacts to me saying that they're hurt, I don't know that I've been this person that many times but I can definitely think of at least a couple of examples where I was just super defensive and I was like this isn't about me this is about you and like you're just being triggered by me this was maybe like 10-15 years ago when I was still into all the like new age wellness personal responsibility shit which is so gross and embarrassing to think about now but again like she and I are both existing in systems not set up for us to take care of ourselves to take care of each other. I do my very best, and I really mean that, I do my very best to show up for people with as much care as I can based on what I know at the time, which is always growing and changing because I'm always learning. And this is just where she is right now. Now, that doesn't mean I need this person in my life. Um, (laughs) And it doesn't mean like I needed to stay in my past relationships or that I needed to stay in bad workplaces. Um, doesn't mean I want to put up with patriarchy and capitalism. I'm going to push back against it. So yeah, I sent one last email to her, this now former friend, using what's become my go-to boundary script when I'm in difficult situations or navigating difficult relationships. And this is something I learned from Andrea Arlington and Alexis Haynes. They're both experts on 
um, both addiction, like substance use recovery, but also just family systems recovery. So I'm going to read what I said to her. I said, you have every right to feel how you feel. However, I don't tolerate adults speaking to me this way, no matter how annoyed or upset they are at me or any outside circumstance. Because of this, I'm going to opt out of further contact and wish you well from here. And left it at that. I didn't explain. I didn't rationalize or try to um, convince her of anything. I just set my boundary. And I meant every word. I really do hope she's okay. I hope she leaves this boyfriend or that he gets help and stops being such an asshole to her because I'm sure he's a big reason why she was being such an asshole to me, just like I was an asshole to people when I dated assholes. But I do not ever need to be friends with her in the future. Maybe in a deeper or like longer friendship, I would have left the door open for repair later on. I had the grace of people doing that for me when I left some bad relationships and I had done things that I wouldn't have otherwise done in my friendships. But that's not the case here because... Yeah, again, that's just not the type of friendship it was, and I'm not really willing to go there again with someone I don't care enough about. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about boundary scripts like this one on Sunday. I really hope you'll join because we'll use a lot of the time to help you come up with your own boundary scripts that you need right now. But just to kind of go back and share the basic outline of what I sent to this person. This is, again, a script for difficult or like highly emotional situations or someone who maybe has a habit of not respecting your boundaries. So the script goes first, you have every right to fill in the blank with what they're doing. You have every right to choose to use those words when you talk to me. You have every right to raise your voice. You have every right to whatever it is that's that they're doing that's not cool with you because ultimately as human beings we do have the agency to do what we want like people no matter how horrific someone's behavior is I'm not saying there shouldn't be consequences for it obviously there should be consequences for it and we can't actually dictate or control how other people act um in in our relationships I don't actually have control over it and like I said last week boundaries are for keeping ourselves safe not for controlling anyone else's behavior and it might also be keeping ourselves and others safe right so I think about accountability on a collective level Um, there are some people who despite calls for accountability will never do the right thing and so there need to be consequences collectively in order to keep us safe to keep each other safe. We can get into that in another episode. But yeah, so line one, you have every right to X, Y, Z. Next you say, however, and then you state what you need, what you won't do, what what, what your boundary is basically. So like with this friend, I said, you have every right to feel how you feel. I could have said, you have every right to express yourself in the way you did. I could have said a lot of things, but I wanted to just validate, you have every right to feel how you feel. However, I don't tolerate adults speaking to me this way. However, here is my boundary. Like, this is what I just, I I don't do this. I don't put up with this. Um, It might be something like, however, you know, I, I don't stay in situations where people are yelling or 
I don't continue conversations if we are raising our voices at each other, right? Like it could be something like that, but it's clear I'm not using language, like I don't tolerate adults speaking to me this way. I'm not using language like I don't tolerate adults being dicks. Like I'm not, I'm being very careful not to use judgmental language. And again, like sometimes you have to set a boundary and be like, hey asshole, leave me alone. Like, it's okay to set boundaries and be fierce. But in this case, I was trying to be very non-emotional because she was being very emotional. (laughs) So I'm being, I I guess I shouldn't say non-emotional. I'm being very level and grounded and as calm as I can be and clear. Clarity is kindness for yourself and others. So you have every right to X, Y, Z. However, when this happens, I blank. And then the last piece, for that reason, I'm going to fill in the blank. For that reason, I'm going to step away. For that reason, I'm choosing not to have contact with you anymore. That's a harder line, but that's what I chose to do in my situation. You could also tack on something. You could say something like, for that reason, I'm going to step away if you... Um, if you would like to talk later when we can both be calm and not raise our voices, I'm open to that. What do you think about letting me know when you feel ready to do that? So you can kind of invite them to revisit something once that boundary has been honored or met. That's totally fair. And it's really up to your own discernment and experience, like how you want to handle that. Right, like in my situation, maybe you were listening to my email story thinking, damn, Lauren, like I would never cut a person off for that. Not that I feel like I'm cutting her off. I feel like I'm more like, hmm, this isn't cool with me, so I'm going to step away because I'm not trying to change your behavior or convince you to be different. But in my power (laughs) is what I can do. So I'm going to do something else. Um, But maybe for you, you would have left the door open and said like, hey, If you want to touch base in a few months, I'm open to that, but I I don't want to continue conversations with this kind of tone with each other. Um, Yeah, so that's one go-to script I have. And of course, I adjust it depending on the situation, depending on power dynamics, right? Like as a white person, I'm pretty careful not to (laughs) say like, however, people who talk with this tone, blah, 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 right? Like I'm not trying to tone police anybody. Because again, it's not about controlling what anybody else does. It's about taking care of yourself and getting your needs met and staying safe. It's, it's not about changing someone else in order to do that because ultimately we really can't. The interesting thing that happens though, and I mentioned this last time, is that sometimes in response to a boundary, people will change their behavior, but not if you are setting it in a way to manipulate them into changing it. So lots more on boundary scripts in the workshop this Sunday. Again, one to two mountain time. Um, Mountain time is one hour ahead of Pacific time if you haven't heard of it. And a lot of times, you know, we need more nuance because we aren't always ending a relationship or drawing this hard of a line. But I hope that this is a useful tool uh, just to have in your back pocket. So link to register for the workshop is in your show notes. And as always, to explore getting more support from me, like in my coaching community, Take Up Space, where we do lots of boundary work and all of the important inner and relational and collective work that 
sustains our change making, whatever that looks like for you. Or if you're interested in one-on-one coaching, um, I specialize in working with entrepreneurs, business owners, political candidates, anyone who has a platform that they're navigating and having to show up in that way um, tends to be a great fit for one-on-one coaching. And sometimes people will do both. Um, You can always book a free change agent support call with me. We'll spend an hour going through some questions, talking through your situation, and we'll figure out if it's a good fit. That link is also in my show notes, and it's really helpful if you leave me a five-star rating, write even a short review, subscribe on Apple and Spotify. It just means a lot to me and helps to get the podcast in front of more people because just like everything else, podcasts uh, operate on algorithms. (laughs) So um, doing that is helpful. And then of course, sharing with friends who you think could benefit would be lovely too. I will be back next week for a new episode of It's Not You, It's the System. And in the meantime, take good care of yourself, take good care of each other.